Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. Welcome to another Thursday morning of political talk. And we will have our annual Election Day recap. Day after Election Day, two days after Election Day, we are cruising into 2016, one year away, presidential elections, the whole Congress at stake. And uh, this uh, 2015, as we mentioned last week, is time for local elections, time for more parochial concerns, some special elections, some different referendums around the country. There were some statewide governorships at stake and uh, some very interesting ones. Uh, and there were some very, very focused elections here in New York, here in New York State, uh, as well as in New Jersey, where the entire New York, uh, New Jersey Assembly was up for grabs. But uh, here to unpack it all for us, we have our uh, one of our leading experts. And I think last time he was on, uh, he made some very bold predictions uh, about the presidential race. So I'm going to let him uh, crow about that for a second. We have Chris Hahn, host of the Chris Hahn Show on Long Island News Radio, as well as a commentator on Fox News. Chris, welcome back to Spin Class. Hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. So last time you were on the show, we were talking Democratic politics. And there was a time of a little bit of, let's just say, angst with regard to front runner, one front runner, uh, Madam Secretary Hillary Clinton. At the time, you said, no problem. She has it in the bag. There is no issue with Hillary Clinton. There is no, there is no pothole between Hillary Clinton and the Democratic nomination. How are you feeling that, about that prediction right now? I feel strong about that prediction as well. I mean, I think I was 100% right, and I think that all the evidence is pointing that that seems to be the case. Okay, well, good. So I'll let you crow a little bit, a little bit about it. I don't want to get into the Hillary <laughs> Sanders O'Malley thing. I want to talk local stuff, particularly Long Island races, because there were some shockers on Long Island. Uh, and what that means necessarily, as the suburbs go, so goes the country, they say. As, as, and there were some shockers on Long Island, as well as as Long Island goes, so goes New York State uh, a little bit further down the road. So we had a very big, right. very big upset victory in Nassau County. It was considered an upset. I don't know if what other people thought. In the Nassau County DA's race, district attorney's race, uh, Madeline Singus upset Kate Murray, the Hempstead town supervisor, Hempstead being the largest town in the United States of America, a political yep, yep. institution. Madeline Singus upsets her. How does that happen, and uh, what what are the what are the dynamics behind that race? Uh, what happened? How did it happen? And what does that what does that mean in a larger picture? Well, you know, I think that this was less a referendum on Kate Murray than some people are making it out to be. Um, you know, I, I, Kate Murray was well known, well liked. She's still well known and still well liked. Like, and if she runs for something else, uh, she may have a chance of, of victory down the road. I think, though, that what was on the voters' mind yesterday was not so much what was going on with Kate Murray, but what was going on in Oyster Bay. And in Oyster Bay, and I've, been, I've talked to you about this before, Mike, I don't believe people go out and vote against somebody, particularly for corruption, because I think that people feel that all politicians, regardless of their party, are corrupt. That seems to be the general consensus among the electorate these days. That said, when there's so much talk about a corruption uh, going on in a particular town, Voters might still send those elected officials back to office, but then want to have somebody in there that is independent of their political party to perform a check on that office. Madeline Singus, uh, her whole campaign, which is a prosecutor, not a politician, I think that was a very good, strong message. She's really not a politician. 
She's got, you know, a 25-year career working in the district attorney's office. She was completely unknown before she was appointed to district attorney, and she made this entire campaign about her experience as a prosecutor. And, uh, you know, Kate Murray has been a great manager for all, uh, you, know, you know, by all measures, has done a pretty good job in the town of Hempstead. There's been relatively no scandal. She's been there for 12 years, uh, hardly any budget, major budget problems. Proven herself, herself to be a good manager, but she really lacked any practical experience in the district attorney's job. And when you have a low turnout election like you had yesterday, the voters tend to be more educated, especially at the top of the ticket races. And they are actually voting on those races based on, uh, you know, on and not simply on party line and whose name they do. So I think that that's what happened yesterday to Kate Murray. Well, it's interesting you should say that. You know, when I go out and look, and when you want to know about party voters and say people who reflexively just vote party line, you look at people who vote for judges because nobody ever knows anything about the judges. And so that they go out and they have right. a piece of paper and they know and they basically vote straight down because of my party endorsement. So there was a countywide judge race in Nassau County for surrogate. And the surrogate judge, nobody knows what the surrogate judge does. Uh, so you just vote based on Republican or Democrat, basically reflexively. And Kate Murray, the, the Republican running, got 92,000 votes. Maggie Riley, I believe, is her name. She got 92,000 votes. Kate right. Murray got 82,000 votes. And so you know, right. I'm, lo- I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, if you're looking, you know, those who crunch the numbers like, like we do, you, you're looking at potentially 92,000 Republicans showed up at the poll, but 10,000 of those didn't vote for Kate Murray, which is in Nassau. Right. That's that's surprising. Republicans are usually very disciplined in Nassau County, and so are. Well, I think I, I got to tell you, I really think, I think my Oyster Bay narrative is really where it's at. I mean, if you look at that race, which is still a toss-up, and right now Vendetta is losing. Yeah, um, talk, you know, talk about it, it Chris. Talk about where those ten thousand votes were. Right, Chris. Talk for a second. Give us the background on Oyster Bay for those who don't know. If they're not, if if you're not an insider, you don't know anything about Oyster Bay town politics. Well, look, I mean, there's, some, there's been some stories floating around and some investigations uh, happening around a series of contracts with a particular vendor uh, in the town of Oyster Bay. Vendetto has been supervisor of uh, Oyster Bay for a very long time. He usually wins with 70% of the vote. So for him to be trailing when they close, the, you know, when, with all the precincts reporting, now, you know, this could still come down to absentee ballots. I don't want to presume that the race is even settled because it's very close. Uh, but, um, but for it to come this close, uh, presents a serious problem for anybody else voting on the ticket. And because there was corruption based there, you might not believe that Mendetto's corrupt, but you might say, you know what, we want to have somebody independent to make sure that he's not corrupt. And I think that's probably where it happened right there. I think, I think Kate Murray probably, I haven't looked at the breakdown, uh, Hempstead to, um, Oyster Bay, and I'm sure she did very well in Hempstead. Uh, but I'm sure she lost it big in Oyster Bay and North Hempstead. Yeah, and that margin actually in that Oyster Bay town supervisor, and these are very these are pretty large towns uh, by New York standards or yes. by other standards. Uh, that margin is actually less than a hundred votes out of about fifty thousand cast or forty five thousand cast. Uh, the, yeah, the it's total, remarkable. The total uh, turnout in the DA's race, the county, what was was I think two hundred thousand. But I want to ask just a larger question. To you, and we're talking to Chris Hahn from Fox News as well as Long Island uh, News Radio, and uh, real expert in Long Island politics and New York State politics. Uh, let's talk about the, the governor for a second, because there was an upstate 
race in the Binghamton area to fill a special election uh, to fill the seat of Tom Libis, who was indicted and is uh, possibly on his way to jail. I'm not indicted. He was convicted. He was on, he's on his way to jail, potentially. He's quite ill. And that was – Governor Cuomo actually put initially some weight behind the Democrat, Barbara Fiala, who was running, who was a former county executive there. And she lost huge – I mean just unbelievably huge in, in that race um, in, for the Binghamton seat. Uh, I think it was 55-point margin or something like that, which is an absolutely huge margin. And right. Cuomo did not get involved in that race. He didn't really get involved in the Long Island races at all. I uh, didn't really make any endorsements. Uh, what? What? Give us the. What's the dynamic amongst Democrats there? They were able to win or lose uh, without Cuomo at all. Does he have? You know, where? Where was his influence as head of the party? Well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on who's endorsing who and what's getting involved. I don't think the voters put any weight on that. Um, you know, and Cuomo's involvement in upstate was very limited. He came out and supported the Democratic candidate very early with an endorsement. But when you really look at it, the, the Republican State Senate Campaign Committee put a lot of money into that race. And the Democratic State Senate Campaign Committee didn't put any money. They put $17,000 into it. And Cuomo has done very well working with Republicans in the State Senate. So there was no real, like, angst on his part to kind of get a new Democrat in there. Uh, you know, if you've got a good working relationship, why rock the boat? Why get involved? As for Nassau County, I mean, look, I mean, uh, it, it was very unclear how that race was going to go. It's a district attorney's race. Sometimes political endorsements in a district attorney's race, race backfire. And the fact that she was campaigning on a message saying she's a prosecutor, not a politician, I think a formal endorsement in this race would have made her look more like a politician and took her off message. You know, it's interesting because the, the main endorsee, endorser, of Kate Murray towards the end of the race, down the stretch, was Rudy Giuliani. I mean, they sent uh, a tremendous amount of mail uh, for Rudy, yeah. Rudy's picture and TV ads with Rudy. And, uh, you know, New York City mayors don't have a great history of endorsements no. anywhere else in New York State. I have been in Long Island politics my entire life, and I have never been in a situation where the New York City mayor's influence helped at all. In fact, it hurts. The one thing they don't want you to be in Nassau County is New York City. They don't want Nassau County to be an extension of Queens. So the New York City mayor coming in and endorsing, I don't understand why anybody would ever think that's a good thing. I get it that, you know, he became a national figure after 9-11. But, you know, his, the highest office he ever had was New York City mayor. Not, he's not Senator Rudy Giuliani. He's New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Right. So let, let's just get to one other issue I want to flesh out a little bit uh, more with you is the, the, the bigger dynamic here with the suburban, you know, suburban vote as, as well as versus New York City, as you said. And how does that relate to the mayor, meaning Mayor Bill de Blasio, the New York City mayor? Two years out from his term, right. uh, from, from the end of his term, his popularity rating is at an all-time low, and right. he has had a negative influence, I think, for Democrats around the state out of New York City. He had this uh, strange relationship with Hillary Clinton, finally endorsed her last week. Uh, is right. he? There are a lot of puzzling political choices going on with Bill de Blasio, and do these puzzling political choices portend some vulnerability for him, uh, for his re-election in 
Uh, vulnerable in a Democratic primary, maybe. Uh, vulnerable in a general election, probably not, right? So, you know, Bill de Blasio ran a masterful campaign two years ago. That got him the Democratic nomination. It was very good. It was brilliant. Um, ever since then, he hasn't made a political move that anybody would classify as brilliant. Uh, and that's putting it mildly. So, I mean, he, you know, the, 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 the delayed endorsement of Hillary Clinton, the person who made him the strained relationship with Governor Cuomo, who he used to work for, you know, loyalty is very important to most people. And I think that in the next two years, de Blasio's got to change directions and stop trying to be a liberal icon and start trying to be the mayor of New York City and really govern this city. And if he's not willing to do that, you know, he'll be a one-term mayor, and he'll ride off into the sunset. He's a very bright guy and a very strong political mind. And I think he's got to understand that the people of the city of New York want to see him paying attention to more of the bread-and-butter issues of New York City, uh, you know, potholes and traffic and congestion and, and, and all the myriad of things, housing, education, all the things that the city, the mayor of New York has such a strong role in. He needs to be seen as the person who cares about that more than advancing his national image. And I think that's his problem right here. Uh, and I think, look, nobody would have faulted him for endorsing Hillary Clinton. The man was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager in 2008, or campaign chair. So, you know, to for him not to, you know, a man who started in the Clinton White House, a man who worked for, uh, you know, worked for Cuomo, People in New York City are not dumb. They see that, and you know they're they're saying, "What is that?" So, is that a case of him being his own PR consultant, or the or the general people generally the people around him are committing malpractice? Well, I got to tell you, you know, he used to have a guy around him named Pete Ragone, who was a great politician, who left early on. So that signals to me that he's taking influence from somebody who I really don't know, I honestly don't know who he's taking influence, who's, who's influencing, but whoever it is, is not influencing him in the way of governing the city of New York as the top priority. And, and look, I'm not saying that governing the city of New York is not his top priority. That's probably not true to say. It probably is his number one priority. It's probably what he spends 95% of his time on. But if you look at his public image, that is not what people are seeing right now. So the image makers in de Blasio's shop need to start worrying, worrying more about, you know, what he's doing, you know, down on, uh, you know, on, 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 on uh, you know, in, in Alphabet City versus, you know, Des Moines, Iowa. Very good. Uh, Chris Hahn from Long Island Talk Radio, always get that, and Fox News. Uh, Chris, as a Fox News uh, contributor, you want to make any predictions for the Republican primary? I'm starting to think Ted Cruz is going to be the Republican nominee, and I know that shocks a lot of people to hear me say that. Because he's so unliked by the event. But that said, I think he's perfectly positioned to take the votes of Carson and some of the votes of, of uh, Trump when those campaigns inevitably uh, collapse. You know, I'm on my way in to talk about Carson as we speak. And frankly, you know, there's a lot of people excited about Carson on the right. There is no way Carson is going to be the Republican nominee. And when Carson collapses, his evangelical voters are going to Ted Cruz. I'm convinced of that. He's positioned for it. And if, if Cruz, Iowa, South Carolina, and do very well in the SEC primary, he might just well be the nominee. And that spells doom for the Republicans unless he does a major etch-a-sketch 
after he takes that nomination. <laughs> well, I also see Doom with Carson and Trump, uh, so there are quite a few. And even if they go to Mike Huckabee, I see Doom there as well. So there's a lot of uh, doomsday doors potentially for Republicans coming up. Chris Hahn, Long Island Talk Radio, Fox News, thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. Thank you, man. And this is Spin Class. I want to welcome back to the show Benny Polacek from the president of Colossal PR, activist in Rockland County politics. And, you know, we're talking suburban politics. That's where the races were really this past election day, uh, really throughout the country, but specifically here in New York. And Rockland had its share of, I'd say, exciting, intriguing, and down and dirty, nasty politics, uh, town races, some countywide races, county legislature races, and uh, here to talk about it all, we have Benny Polacek, who's been active on a number of fronts in Rockland County. Benny, welcome back to Spin Class. Thank you for having me. Pleasure being here. So let's just start with the what I think would be considered the the main race as far as many in the Orthodox community and many of the, within the town of Ramapo, which was the reelection of uh, Christopher St. Lawrence, the town supervisor, heavily supported by the Orthodox community. And at one time people have looked at potentially, I guess different votes weren't in that St. Lawrence might be in trouble. It seems that outside of the Hasidic community, he did very poorly, but within the Hasidic community, he did extraordinarily well. Uh, tell us a, bit, a little bit about that dynamic. Uh, Christopher St. Lawrence has been a friend of the community for a long time, and uh, he has been a great supervisor, and, you know, we were relieved that he won yesterday uh, with 55%. He got 14,521 votes, and his opponent, Mike Prieti, got 11,516, which is about 44%. So that's a difference of about 3,000 votes. Okay, so so he won. Now, neighboring Clarkstown, let's take uh, for there was a difference. Clearly, the Republican won uh, over the Democrats. The longtime Democrat Alex Gromack was upset by a Republican, or maybe it wasn't an upset. And that race was particularly, at least according to observers, hinged significantly around the Hasidic community as an issue. However, the Hasidic community is not primarily located within Clarkstown. Correct. And, and, you know, that has been a sad phenomenon taking place here in Rockland County, where a few candidates ran on a platform of, I would call it, outright hate against the Orthodox community, when the Orthodox community does not live in those districts or, the, or those areas, even, where they made the Orthodox community as a main issue. Basically using scare tactics and fear that the Orthodox community is planning to take over those areas and to move in and buy off all the, the real estate and the houses in that area. And people were afraid. Obviously, the Orthodox community is different. They're more insular, and, and the growth needs are a lot different than in other communities. It's bigger, and, you know, the Orthodox community is rapidly growing. And they used the, the you know, scare tactics and fear to drive out voters, and, and that was very sad and unfortunate. So the main antagonist, I think, or it's becoming the main antagonist for the, uh, for the Orthodox community and the Orthodox vote seems to be the county executive himself, 
uh, Ed Day, or maybe and his son, who's also a political uh, personality himself, Chris Day, uh, and some people who work for Ed Day, uh, these these Facebook pages like Block the Block Vote and and the like, uh, really throwing some very harsh invective and really things that we would consider many people out there would consider all politically. Uh, outside the pale, as far as their characterization of the Jewish community, uh, that seems that, to that, play. That, that is that is a, a correct assessment. I mean, right. you know, our and, county and... executive at day uh, won his election in a overwhelming Democratic county by using scare tactics, scare tactics, and hate. You know, he took the issue that exists in Ramapo, and there is a legitimate issue in Ramapo, and he basically, you know took in the whole county like the issue pretends to the entire county, which is not true. And, you know, unfortunately, it worked for him, and he won that election, and he has been trying to copy that tactic in every single election, pushing his Republican votes, his Republican candidates. And he did the same thing in Clarkstown. He did the same thing in the sheriff's race, which fortunately did not work for him. And that's, that's the silver lining that people have to look at that's, Rockland County, the voters in Rockland County rejected the hate. And the, the, the sheriff, Lou Falco, won with close to 10,000 votes, 9,998 votes. And they also accused Lou Falco in favoritism towards the Orthodox community. They accused him of providing, uh, you know, officers to, for, for weddings in the Orthodox community, which is true, but the Orthodox community, you know, there was a wedding two years ago in the Orthodox community, but the sheriff's patrol did, the sheriff did provide officers, you know, to, 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 to guard the facilities and everything, but they were paid. The Orthodox community was charged, and they were paid. The sheriff's patrol was paid. But basically, he was, he, in every single race, whether there is Orthodox, the Orthodox community in that area or not, he has used this care tactic again and again and again. So... Let's let's for the uninitiated, for people who aren't in there, and you know, one people, some people could say that Ed Day's candidate for sheriff, he had some legal issues, he was fired or suspended from his job uh, right before the election, he had some other uh, background issues, but it seems, at least uh, from the Clarkstown race as well as some county legislative seats, that his tactic of pitting one community against or the non. I guess, I don't know if it's Jewish, non-Orthodox, or it's non-Jewish against the Orthodox, of pitting one community against the other seemed to have been successful in quite a few races. There were some incumbents in the county legislature in particular who were turned out by this, by this wave or by this movement, correct? Yes, there were, but I, I'm not so sure that his care tactics worked in races. I think the Republicans simply had better candidates, more energetic candidates that ran more experienced candidates in some of these races. Um, but definitely, I mean, I mean, the scare tactics definitely are resonating with some people. Uh, if, if you're living in a suburban area and you're living on a quiet street, Arkstown, and you look at Ramapo, which is a lot more developed and there's a lot less empty space, you know, people have a right to get concerned. The problem is that the Orthodox community has a lot of place to grow in Ramapo. The Orthodox community is not coming to Clarkstown. And he has been using this scare tactic again and again and again. And, and he has been, you know, all these websites and Facebook pages that have been popping up in the last two years, 
have all been geared to his agenda, to push his agenda, uh, which hates, and I would call it blatant anti-Semitism. Okay, I think that's fair. You look, I mean, at, a page, you know, you look at a page like Black Black Vote, and we discussed it last, last time I was here on the show. Uh, you know, th- this page is not only busy with, with Orthodox Jews in Rockland County, this page is busy with Orthodox Jews all around the United States, whether it's, it's Orthodox Jews, even, even in the U.K., it's Orthodox Jews in Bloomberg, it's Orthodox Jews in Lakewood. Every single negative news piece about Orthodox Jews is posted on that page, which that page, you know, in the, in the bio of the page, he says, you know, this page is only geared towards Rockland County, blinking out the, the, the danger of a black vote in Rockland County, when every second uh, post on that page has nothing to do with Rockland County. The only thing that, that it has to do is with Orthodox Jews. So let me ask you, where, where is the, is there any common ground? Is there a possibility? Does the Hasidic uh, vote, and this is, you know, and we've talked about it, and I think we, can, we continue to talk about it, in Rockland and Orange and Sullivan, uh, and it was particularly a wedge issue in a town election in Sullivan County where the anti-Hasidic, there was a party, political party, created specifically against the, uh, against the, Hasidic community in Bloomingburg, uh, the Rural Heritage Party, and they swept all the seats in the town of Mamikating. Uh, say Mamikating at uh, 10 times fast, I challenge you. But they slept, and these parties at United Monroe, Preserve Ramapo, seem to be set up specifically to target or to counter or to balance against the, the Orthodox community. We're, you know, sometimes, at least Democrats, Republicans, Sometimes, maybe not in D.C., but elsewhere, they tend to find common ground. Is there going to be some common ground between the parties and the Hasidic community and the Orthodox community? I'm on Long Island. I want to know the view from up there in Rockland County. You know, we all would love to find common ground and find areas where we can work together. I mean, obviously, the Orthodox community is here to stay. The other communities are here to stay, and we have to find common ground because we're heading in a very dangerous direction. This ball is rolling, and it's not going to stop unless someone steps in and says, okay, let's sit down at one table, and let's see on what issues we can work together. Let's see if we can find common ground. And, you know, the problem is, as long as there is leaders, elected leaders, that use this issue for political advantage, I I don't think Ede is an anti-Semite. I don't. I don't think Chris Day is an anti-Semite. I think they are using this issue to advance a political agenda. So they're not seeking common ground as long as they think that this issue is going to help them win elections. And, and I would call them the, the, you know, the Orthodox community is, is voting GOP, is voting for Republican candidates in statewide races. And, and I think it's time for the state party, for the GOP, the New York State GOP, to step in and say enough is enough and take, take control and take Because... You know, the Orthodox community is a strong base for the Republican Party, and it's time for the state Republican Party to step in and take a stance. I, I think you know. I think you're right. I mean, what what about an appeal to to Ed Cox or or you know the Republican Party uh, on that issue? And actually, I, you know, should mention. I think it, it's, we should mention that many of these candidates ran on the Reform Party line. That was the Reform Party line and Preserve Ramapo. I'm sorry, Preserve Rockland were actually the same line in this race, correct? So that was a kind of a GOP line uh, that they ran on. That's correct. And uh, I know that line was created by the county executive of Westchester, Rob Astorino, 
which happens to have a very good relationship with the Orthodox community. And I really don't think that that uh, Mr. Astorino anticipated that his line is going to be used for muscling. Right. Well, certainly I'm sure he didn't. I know him very well, as you know, and there's no question I, that I actually spoke to him about some of the videos, and he's quite chagrined about that. So, Benny Polizek, we're going to leave it there. Uh, colossal PR, Rockland County activist. Thanks, sir, and hopefully we find a way out of this, because uh, I will tell you from my own experience up in the Hudson Valley, these, this uh, pro political trajectory is absolutely poisonous. It's bad for everybody. It's bad for both sides. Nobody is winning in this uh, overall, in this... Uh, political battle. So thanks for joining us here on Spin Class. I can't agree more. Thank you for having me. And uh, this is Spin Class. Just to wrap up, we're going to just, you know, a couple uh, tidbits with regard to the implications of Election Day. And one thing in particular, which was a, a big, it wasn't really noticed nationally, but certainly locally, that the New Jersey Republicans in the Assembly, I mentioned all the New Jersey Assembly races were up yesterday. And the Republicans were hoping to pick up some seats based on the fact that Chris Christie two years ago had had a big, big win, and perhaps that would carry over. Uh, not only did they not pick up seats in the New Jersey Assembly. They actually lost seats. They're at a historic low right now as far as their seats. Uh, and it seems that Christie had all but disappeared. And, you know, he might be a little bit distracted. Not to knock him. I think Christie is actually uh, looking up a little bit if you look at his last debate. But, uh, you know, the most political analysts right now feel is in New Jersey itself that Christie has faded significantly as a political force since 2013. He is very unpopular at home, and that actually showed with regard to the assembly races in, uh, in uh, the state of New Jersey. So the other thing, which is particularly interesting, is that the referendum on medicinal and recreational marijuana in the state of Ohio actually failed. Uh, that's unusual. I think every referendum that's happened so far has passed. And, you know, they had some issues with this this, this specific uh, referendum that uh, I, it was considered a monopoly, whatever it was. But it was surprising that that failed. Uh, the other thing is that the trial of Sheldon Silver has started. Uh, and uh, that's making for some great political theater, uh, particularly uh, for those who watch it closely. In two weeks, the trial of Dean Skelis is going to is going to start, and we will hopefully, in a future show, be analyzing that. And last point is that Pam Harris, a Democrat in Brooklyn, uh, African-American woman, is now the first, from what I'm told, the first African-American to represent the majority white district in New York City. I think that's great. I have no problem with that at all. However, I will. I do remember when a white person tried to run in a majority black district, uh, particularly, I mean, David Yasky running in central Brooklyn, he was absolutely tarred and feathered when it came for that consideration. I think we should all work towards a more colorblind politics, colorblind society. And that's it here on Spin Class here on the Knuckle Single Network. Stay tuned for more great radio.